0: Tim, episode 19 of the Task podcast is coming at you. Uh, trivia question for you, Tim: If I were to say, like an SAT, you know, metaphor question, week two of the NFL was like what? You two song, you would say.
1: Mmm. That's a good question. I, I mean, don't know.
0: Vertigo, that. vertigo is, is a good choice, but it's it's not the right one. It's Sunday, bloody Sunday day, because yes. oh my goodness, this was. This week two of the NFL, they gave us some classics, but one of the worst days for injuries in recent memories. Sunday, bloody Sunday, for sure. We're going to revisit our week two predictions, and we're going to preview week three. And of course, on this week's edition of What's in My Cup, we got the IPA 2 for today. I like it. It's an IPA from Hopewell Junction, New York, and a double IPA from Jupiter, Florida. While I haven't been able to find moving boxes in hardly any hardware stores, you can find Stats Don't Matter wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher app Google, Spotify. You can also follow us on our social medias. We've been saying this for a while. Get those follows out there, people. At Stats Podcast on Twitter and at Stats Matter on IG. Now let's get cracking on this thing.
1: So real quick, before we get into today's episode, I have a funny little story from this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife has been trying to find a new show for us to watch, uh, and she settled on a show called Big Little Lies. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. So she starts watching the show, decides that I should start catching up so that I can enjoy this with her. So I'm not the smartest guy. I'm sure we've already picked that up on the first 18 episodes of this, but <laughs> last night we make a fire, uh, obviously in new England man fashion, I make it bigger than needed. So we put my son to bed and I decided to go out and enjoy a beverage by the fire while, uh, Watching on my iPad, the first episode of this show. Now, to preface, my wife said, with a lot of reassurance, I talked to the girls. All the husbands love it. They think you're going to like it. It's going to be great. Cool. I'll 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 catch up. I have two episodes to catch up, and then we'll watch this show together. I start watching the show, and I realize that something seems off. And that everyone has really bad taste because it's a couple of high school kids who are <laughs> shoplifting in a mall, a girl sleeping with a teacher, uh, very, very much giving me freeform vibes or like CW vibes, and I'm oh, trying yeah. to figure out why this is. At this point, I have skipped watching Monday Night Football to dedicate a little time to catch up the show with my wife. Uh, I make it about 45 minutes in, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore, and I switch over to the game. To find out, I am actually watching a show called Pretty Little Liars, oh. <laughs> <laughs> instead of Big Little Lies, which Indeed. is the show they wanted me to watch. And You know, uh, why, you know why I'm laughing? <laughs> I've seen both of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, they're not even close. One no, is not. literally a teen drama. It's like going into it expecting interview with a vampire and then watching twilight thinking you're mm. watching interview with a vampire it was yeah. that exact scenario so i spent 45 minutes of my quality alone time sitting around a fire enjoying a beer watching a stupid show called pretty little liars thinking and trying to convince myself that something in this was worth watching and then i would make that bend and get yeah. there uh never did so i'm dumb I, uh don't yeah. watch pretty little liars maybe no, watch don't. big little lies yeah also, yeah for sure who's naming these goddamn shows and why are they so similar
0: well one is made by the cw one made is by hulu i'm, I'm guessing that the cw had far less of the budget and couldn't get uh reese witherspoon to, or nicole kidman to be in their show and i yeah. can i can remember watching the first episode of, of
1: pretty little liars and i don't think i made it 45 minutes so props to, to you uh, they're both on HBO Max. So there lies my confusion. I was sent uh, to HBO Max to find this show, and in my dumb brain, I didn't separate the names of the two. So you might want to anyway. check
0: and make sure that the uh, when the when the Snyder Cut of the Justice League comes out, that you don't watch another Justice League show. <laughs> that might be like <laughs> <Yeah>. a. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's big yes. dumb me. Welcome to yes. week nineteen. Big dumb me. Maybe that's what we should name the episode instead of so to Sunday Bloody Sunday done it could, it could work it could work <laughs> listen Sunday bloody Sunday happened right it was it was this past Sunday uh 40 plus players have injuries uh and a majority of them didn't return to the game now some of them are out for the season you've already heard these big names Nick Boso Saquon Barkley uh you know ACLs were being given as if they were sacrificial offerings to the gods and this is not good this is not good at all um most of your fantasy team probably has an injury uh, Devontae Day- Adams was out. Cam Akers was out. Cortland Sutton was out.
1: Thomas uh, Christian was out.
0: McCaffrey, Thomas, right? This was just a super George Kittle. Like, th- the list gets worse and worse and worse as, as you dig through it. Like I said, over 40-plus players. And this is on top of the almost, what, 65, 67 players that opted out due to COVID. We're missing two full NFL rosters right now. One to COVID opt-out and two to mm-hmm. week number two of the nfl season this is absolutely crazy and you have to wonder just a little bit tim like no preseason maybe that was the right call you want the maintenance but should there have been at least some bit of a preseason because it looks
1: like the no run-up whatsoever is just wreaking havoc on these players i think it's going to be a little bit of an eye-opener because going into this season the constant conversation has been we need a shorter preseason we don't need as many preseason games was a lot of risk, reward, what this means for our bodies, and whether or not playing in games that really have no bearing on us long term is worth it. Now that's not necessarily to say that if they had preseason games, would we end up in the same boat or would they have just been injured before the season even started? I think it might have more to do with the condensed preseason workouts than it did not having any preseason games, if I'm being honest. Um I think a lot of these scenarios, you know, playing in a couple practice games isn't going to stop your knees from getting blown out. Like, that's just not going to happen. Some of it is unfortunate luck. Uh, we've actually seen a little bit of an uptick over the last few years in some of these injuries, or at least it seems like I haven't looked to see if the math is actually there to support it or if it may just be more high profile players have happened just by happenstance to get injured over the last few years. But it does seem like there's enough of a rise that each year we're having this conversation more and more and more. Uh, I think it's a byproduct of stronger, faster players who are just finding ways to get quicker, deliver hits harder um, in combination of risk of penalties for going high, uh, you know, having to try and avoid things like being able to hurdle a player, which has grown in popularity over the last few years. So I think it's just, these- and it's
0: also super risky.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of it it just comes down to the game changing a little bit, getting physical lower because you can't deliver the the high hits. We already, we, I mean, we saw a couple of this this weekend, which generated in ejections because you know a lot of it is players not putting themselves in a position to avoid those types of hits. Um, but there are, you see it all the time, guys who come in, they think they're going low. The other players also going low and then they collide into each other. And then the next thing you know, you get, uh, a massive penalty and, and risk of getting thrown out of the game. So you're trying to go as low as possible to avoid some of those big hits. Um, but some of these injuries you saw were just shit luck. There were guys who were at the line of scrimmage that just got pushed back and tripped over their own players. Um, maybe it's not enough attention on flexibility someone needs to be looking up the TV 12 method maybe uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know if football games before the season would have helped but I, I do think longer time to practice and get back into football shape may have helped some of these but it's t- I mean it's really tough to say
0: yeah it is it is very tough and and a lot of teams outlooks are going to be definitely changed going forward I mean just like the Giants like you know it's someone made the 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 comparison that you know Nick Bosa being gone for the 49ers is just as bad if not worse than maybe Saquon you know being out for the Giants and and to that I say like they're both star players on storied NFL franchises that are now without those star players like your yep. your entire game plan has to change a little bit um and for the 49ers it was bad i mean they lost two of their defensive ends you know what i mean so like yep. you you have one more that was there from last year plus a rookie this year like that that is not necessarily what you know what you want to do going forward, but yeah. definitely uh you know thoughts up to all of the the players who got injured and, and hope that this is not a trend that continues going forward. Yep. Another Thursday trend night- another oh, quick yeah.
1: trend that we saw uh even got rehashed this morning. All the penalties are sorry. All the the fines being divvied out for COVID violations with oh my two, goodness yeah with two more getting levied uh, going into today for um, Pete Carroll and uh, his entire organization. So everyone, it's a coach's fine, and then it's a team fine. Uh, but they were one of the latest ones to get hit. Sean Payton was the other one, and the Saints getting dinged for theirs. Uh, and it's a hundred thousand dollars a pop. You see, plus two hundred thousand
0: dollars for the team. Yeah. So the memo went out last week, right? Um, And Sean McVay said, this memo is probably about me for not wearing my mask. Uh, He didn't, he wasn't a repeat offender this week, but a hundred thousand dollars for the coach, $200,000 for the team. We're talking, you know, for just a few coaches, like this is over $2 million in fines for not Mm -hmm. wearing a mask. So wear your damn masks? Come on people. Thursday night football gave us a gift that we didn't know we needed Tim. Uh, I know that we said that this was – I mean, I said that the Bengals are, are going to get their first dub of the season. Um, Nick, uh, a you know, good frequent listener of the podcast, texted me during the game and said, you have cursed my team, and I did not. I had nothing to do with that. Uh, we said it might be the last game we see OBJ in a Browns uniform. You thought the Browns are going by a touchdown, and what actually happened was welcome back, Nick Chubb. Mayfield had two passing scores, and the Browns beat the Bengals thirty-five to thirty in what I thought was an actual entertaining game. Uh, huge missed opportunity for the Bengals as they went for field goals three times when they really should have gone for touchdowns. Like that game, you could tell that neither side was really going to stop the other one from being able to put up points. So, like going for field goals like might have been the smarter move to win the game, um, hmm. but it, it represented a missed opportunity because in the fourth quarter, the Bengals put up fifteen points, right, and they, they went five for five on fourth down conversions. Uh, eight for 18 on third down. It's just not going to cut it in this league. But if you have the stones to go for it on fourth and you convert and you continue to do that in the same drive, you have found something and you need to make sure that you you just keep that up. So uh, that, that was great. I I honestly, you know, I I think the Bengals will, will come back, you know, stronger than ever, but uh, the Browns desperately needed to kind of get off everyone's radar. And I think they found a way to do it.
1: Yeah. I think like you said, it was a good return to the running game for the Browns. Chubb 215 yards uh between him and Hunt was, you know, very difficult to game plan against mid game. Not something you really expected. Previously one would come out, the other one would be like a good supporting cast, but when you have both of those guys coming out on fire, um, really, really hard to game plan for you know a dual attack like that, plus a QB who can run. Baker looked pretty good out of the pocket. Uh a lot of the yardage he put up came you know under pressure and pushed from the pocket. So I think this kind of came out as a little bit of a not a statement game because it's still too early to tell. I'm not trusting any teams until maybe week 5. I think this was a team coming in with a little extra motivation, a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. I think him and uh OBJ spent a little extra time kind of helped put some of that conversation to rest, but I think in the end um it was one game. You're going up against the rookie QB in Cincinnati. So I don't know if this is the one I would kinda of hang my hat on. It was a good return to form for, for their running game. Um, but I'll be curious to see again over the next few weeks what this looks like. Um I mean Burroughs didn't have a poor outing. He had a pretty good outing. Uh if not I would almost call it a stubborn one. Uh he set I think it was for the I think it was for the Bengals, but he set a a, a pass attempt record with 61 passes in the game uh which is unreal um he didn't convert many of them uh he was about just shy of 50 or sorry just over 50 on some of those so even though he threw a ton it wasn't the most accurate i mean 61 attempts is unreal the yeah. previous the previous record was 37 by any rookie so You go out, you're going to throw the bonds. You're, you know, hopefully going to complete at least half of those. So I'm excited to see him get up and sling it all over the place. I'm not sure uh, if that's necessary unless you're going to kind of, if you're going to find a way to kind of increase the accuracy there, you're not going to win a lot of games throwing 50%. We learned that last week when we had quarterbacks all over the league throwing for 50% or less. Um, Several of them did it this week. Um, cause you know, I'm not, I'm not great at math, but 50% of your passes isn't, isn't very awesome unless half of those are going to be touched out. Um, uh, so. yeah. And I, I think one thing that you need to
0: point out here too, um, is that AJ green probably got, uh, way too many targets and didn't really catch a whole lot of them, <laughs> yeah. especially the offensive, uh, pass interference that was going to be a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, I hear you. The Rook is going to do some Ruck things, but yeah. I do think for a Thursday night game, We didn't think it was going to be that good. It ended up being that way. So yeah. On to the Sunday games. Did you have something to say?
1: No, I was going to say, I I think he's, uh, I think he's got some promise. I think he's got a little bit more work to do. Maybe he should have had a little bit of time to sort of cook behind the scenes a little bit, just to kind of get a little bit more used to, you know, pitching and catching to some of these faster receivers than he might've been used to, which might have helped a little bit with some of the accuracy. Uh, But I think, Long-term, he's got a lot of promise. He's got a lot of upside. Just gotta dial in that accuracy. I mean, 316 yards sounds like a lot, but when you threw the ball 61 times, if you break down that math, that unfortunately doesn't equate quite the same way as a lot of these other guys we're going to talk about who had maybe 20 to 30 attempts and got the same amount of yardage. Oh, yeah. Sunday games, the 1 o'clock slate opened up with uh, Jags versus Titans,
0: and in- and we said kind of before the game that we weren't really convinced the Titans outright win this game, but they're going to need to go for two a few more times to do it. Uh, the mustache mania was going to stay alive, and guess what it did? Uh, Jags really just hung around for a long time. And like an idiot, I left Johnnie Smith on my bench after A.J. Brown uh, was not going to play in the game due to injury on a bone bruise. Uh, the Jags lost by three points, and mm.
1: they, they, the two teams put up a combined 63 points.
0: Just wild.
1: Guess uh, Guess who did not win? I mean, who did not lose that game? They won Ryan Tannehill. Oh! The redemption tour continues. And it continues in a pretty aggressive fashion. Four touchdowns is nothing to shake a stick at. Um, I thought it was a, a decent game. Ties his career high for touchdowns in a game. Uh, Henry put up another okay game. We say okay comparative to Henry's past. I mean, compared to the rest of the league, it was uh, a pretty good game, but you keep waiting for him to break out and have another one of these 150, 200-yard games. I think he's close. Um, line doesn't seem to be making holes for him to get through. He doesn't seem to be exploding through some of those iffy holes like he did last year. But last year, if you look at a lot of those uh big yardage games he had he was literally running through holes the size of like freight trains they were just you saw it developing you saw it happening and it was clear as day we're like oh yeah here he goes this one's gonna go for a 20 30 spot you don't see that quite the same like he has to put in work if he's getting 100 yards per game it's because he's earning every single yard of that 100 run uh, that 100 yards uh this game wasn't that much different uh, it, it is good to see the Jags kind of hang around. It is good to see Minchu actually making games out of, you know, quality teams. Uh, he's not, if he was going up against, you know, teams like Cincinnati or the Browns, for example, and he was putting up decent numbers, you'd kind of shrug it off and say, but he's, he's coming out, he's facing some competition and he's, he's making some moves, um, which is, it's good to see. Um kind of wonder if people are starting to figure out some of Derrick Henry's sort of play or if it is really just the offensive line not doing their part to give him opportunities Um, he's not really getting outside the ends and making any moves there either quite the same way so I think that's just more of getting back into the groove figuring out some of the the schemes and and making adjustments on the fly to get some of those big gains but I mean to expect him to come out and have the same out output he did for the last three to four games he did last season is a little unfair but yeah i think but i think tannahill's i think tannahill's gonna keep doing his thing for a little bit i think he's kind of hit his stride a little bit and he's in a situation that works well for him so i wouldn't be surprised to see this kind of carry on for maybe not wins but at least some solid games over the next few weeks
0: and you know titans if you're listening to this podcast um uh, it doesn't matter to me if you throw it to AJ Brown or Jonu Smith. Just a heads up about who to who to sit and and who to start would be helpful. You know, leaving <laughs> leaving twenty some odd points on the bench in in a couple of leagues was was not good. So
1: <laughs> blink twice for AJ. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, NFC South Panthers and Bucks. Uh, we thought the Bucks were going to eke it out first TD of the season for Gronk. There was no Gronk TD sighting. Brett Favre was actually in attendance. Uh, and we witnessed the Leonard Fournette welcome back party mm-hmm. and also the Christian McCaffrey injury, the high ankle sprain in which he was run through a hole and appears to have stepped on an opposing, you know, team players cleat and suffered a high ankle sprain. He's probably going to be out, I think, four to six weeks is what most people are yep. saying. And um, he wants to come back and, and he spoke to reporters after the game. He, he wants to attack the rehab and, and just get better. And of course, those are those are all great things to hear. But. you you just hope obviously he goes through it. I mean, he is everything for that team. Uh, and they were down and they needed him to, to pretty much again, carry the team. And he did to the point where, you know, now he's got an injury. So that, uh, that was
1: something, but look, the, the bucks came out and they wanted to make a statement. And I feel they did. Yeah. And I think the game itself was closer than what it actually should have been. There were some really, really big missed opportunities. In fact, uh, one of the guys completely wide open ball legitimately bounced off of his face so you hear a lot of analysts now looking at how tom performed in the game and a lot of them are saying oh he was perfectly mediocre he was serviceable but not great there were two touchdowns two very easy touchdowns that were left on the field that were of no fault on his own um successfully defended his record and coming out and oh and two he hasn't done that since like the start of his career i want to say like between 2004 and 2009 i think it was the last time he came out and was oh and two um i thought he looked pretty good and i think he's really trying to make some statements by coming out and throwing some of these longer downfield passes and they're not looking terrible every now and again he still has one of those where you're like that doesn't seem legit like the first one was to Evans but that was Evans kind of holding up and then he had another one that was an out route down on the sideline that he kind of missed in the first game and this one that passed to Gronkowski that that resulted in, in a interception wasn't even close and you don't know if that was Gronk missing the route Brady just overthrowing that's that's always tough to say but there are still some things that don't look Tom Brady-esque um, but overall I thought i thought it was a great game you saw it coming uh fournette was a a good surprise that kind of helped kind of shape that up a little bit had 103 yards on 12 carries that's uh roughly 98 more yards than he had in week one (laughs) (laughs) everyone who rode fournette on the bench including a guy i played
0: fantasy this week sorry not sorry yeah
1: yeah yeah but it was tough for carolina um I I heard the same press conference. He wants to rush back, but if you're that franchise and the amount of money you just spent on that guy, you're like, all right, pump the brakes, man. You take all the time you need. This is a weird season anyway. If we chalk this one up to a loss, no one's going to remember it. Everyone's going to remember it as the COVID season. Um, I I don't know if I would necessarily rush back, especially with the rest of the league decimated. I kind of wonder. Put my tinfoil hat on for a second. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. If you're a team like the Niners and your team just got decimated by injuries, at what point do your star players or star players from any team that are watching these injuries pile up start thinking like, maybe now would be a good time to opt out for COVID for my personal safety and well-being and make sure I don't get sick when really they just want to be like, nah, man, everyone's getting blown up. There's two ways to look at it. There's a lot of room for me to blow up and shine here, or I'm going to fall in line and get injured like the rest of these guys. I wonder how many of them are legitimately considering using COVID as an opt out for this season to help avoid injuries.
0: Yeah. I taking, mean, taking I, the I, tinfoil hat off
1: now the, the Tim Spears yet. <laughs> I,
0: don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, I do think obviously, as we said earlier, I mean, this is just kind of a freak weekend. It's, it's probably one of the most bloody we can remember in recent memory. Um, I think a lot of it has to do, uh, you know, for example, with the, with the Niners game. Like, that's new turf that's in MetLife Stadium. Yep. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes, like, there's just something to be said about, you know, you you grew up as a boy of fall and, y- and you played on grass. And um, not every team can grow their field and roll it in like the Arizona Cardinals do. Okay? <laughs> it's just yeah. it's not the case. A lot of teams use turf. And turf, while it's longer lasting, doesn't necessarily have the give. So, for some of these players, it might be going out there and it's like, they're kind of running with cleats on concrete or glass. So I think that's where you're going to see a lot of those non-contact injuries going forward. So yeah. I don't think we'll see a big rise in, in the you know post-week two or week three opt-outs, but you never know. It could happen. Yep. All right. Broncos Steelers. We said the Steel City, they shut down Saquon, so Melvin Gordon ain't getting open either. And Steelers are back, baby, and they're going to win by 10. And we were barely right on this one. The Steelers did win, but it wasn't by 10. Uh, both James Conner and Melvin Gordon got open and right back on track. So uh, that's pretty good. You like to see the running game get going on. Obviously, Denver was bit hard by the injury bug in this as well. Starting quarterback, Drew Locke, torn, torn rotator cuff. Cortland Sutton, probably gone for the for the year. You know what I mean? So like you you really, really, really had to dig deep and find some grit. And I think Denver did that. I don't think you can give it a moral victory. But uh, the Steelers, I got to tell you, man, I know you wanted to be like, you know, down on Big Ben. But so far, yep. and again, it's a it's a limited, limited, you know, scope of work. But so far, the Steelers appear to be getting
1: moving right along. Yeah. Uh, Big Ben moved up the all-time list past Eli with, a, with his play this weekend. His 368 touchdowns. I think that puts him like seventh on the list, seventh or eighth on the list. Still a few hundred behind Breeze, Brady, and Peyton, but baby steps, he's getting there. But it is good to see him perform well early. Sometimes it takes a little bit for him to get that moving. You know, there's a lot of weight behind it. You gotta it takes a little bit of oomph to get that train moving. <laughs> you uh, keep saying
0: that, but the guy has <laughs> he, the guy's been that big his entire life and he's and he's, you know, he's still had a couple he
1: had uh he had a couple years there in the middle where it was exceptionally like, large where he was like Two two sixty two sixty two seventy in some yeah, years. forty. He he was carrying around a good like thirty to forty on, and you could see it when he was standing on the li- sideline, especially when he was pouting. It was just like a <laughs> cylinder with a dimple on it for his chin. Uh, I won't no. be here for this. No, no, uh no. I I actually like when he's playing well. I still think you know he'll have his moments where he'll play well, but I think ultimately as the season drags on, age is going to start to play a factor because he did take a lot of hits early on and he still takes a lot of big hits. Um, I know he's kind of toning it down a little bit. Hopefully he kind of stays in that lane and kind of adopts more of the, the pocket passer mentality, which seems to be serving him well so far. But I do, I do generally like when he's playing well, because I like when the Steelers are, you know, competing in the AFC North trying to keep the Ravens in check. Cause without that, they're just going to steamroll everybody. That that's, yeah. When the Ravens are moving, that's at least at least three easy wins for them every single season, right? Some of, some of those teams, they play more than once, so let's call it a good five wins every season. With the Browns kind of making a turn, I still don't think now they would stand up against the Ravens. I don't think Cincinnati would stand up against the Ravens. So to see the Steelers play competitively, play well, get some of the guys who had stumbled a little bit, back into action connor's got it going again he was over 100 yards on 16 carries um i i like when they're in the picture i also like when they're in the picture because when that happens they tend to play the patriots pretty tough And if it comes down to a a patriots playoff run you know historically uh, pittsburgh is always a stop on the road to the end so I enjoy good football um being a Pats fan and listen to the constant whining from the rest of the league I do like the hardest path to get to the Super Bowl and usually that's going through teams like the Ravens and the Steelers which is never easy um so I mean I, I'm I'm here for it again I don't trust any team even if it's the Steelers until maybe week five when we really get to see what sort of everyone's made of, see what this injury bug is going to look like for everyone else. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting, not rooting for him, but I'm not rooting against him. How's that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think, obviously, if you really want the hardest road to the Super Bowl, it's probably happened this year, so you're going to get it. Uh, but it is it is good to see the the Steelers come and turn it around. Bright eyes. Uh, uh, uh. I'm not going to say it. I know you think I'm going to say it, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, we'll move I'm on saying. to Rams-Eagles. Um, I We kind of thought Wentz and the boys are not going to bounce back here, and it'd be an easy win for the Rams, and that was pretty much what happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Rams put, put up almost a 40-burger. Thirty-seven, Eagles nineteen, and I think it's time to to start realizing that it's probably not the injuries that are what's going to honestly plague this team. I, I think it might have something to do with either the mentality, maybe maybe it's the it's the scheme they're running or something like. This is this is not let's light the house on fire, like, but there there have got to be people that need to answer questions for why this organization invested so much in Carson Wentz and not enough in pieces to protect him, not enough for mm-hmm. pieces for him to connect with, um, and why maybe this is probably not what
1: you do with with a, with an overall pick that was that high. Yeah. I, Wentz is, I think this is kind of the opposite of what I was saying about the previous teams who were doing well. This is another one of those where I don't necessarily know if I'm going to write these guys off for another couple of weeks. I think they still have time to try and figure this all out, but Wentz was not was not great at all. Uh l- literally terrible. He threw zero touchdowns. He had two picks this week. He had two picks last week. There's just something that's not there yet. Um I'll chalk it up to, you know, missing some of the season last year. Let's chalk it up to no preseason this year. Let's chalk it up to just sort of the weird circumstances surrounding the start of this season and having to kind of get back in check. But at the same time, I mean, Goff had another decent game, Uh, 22-27 for 267 yards. That is very, very productive. It's three passing touchdowns that all came courtesy of Tyler Higbee, which i that's very, very efficient football. Now, whether that's the Eagles falling short defensively or golf playing well offensively, it's a combination of the two of those, but, I mean, you're firing off at, like, 79% completion rating, and you're putting up points, it's really going to be hard to defend against that, so I think this was a perfect storm for the Rams to come out and do well, you know Sam Darnold again, just throwing people around and beating people up. He's a really, really difficult guy to play with. And if you don't Aaron have Donald. Aaron Donald, oh my gosh, we're
0: gonna talk Sam. about Sam Darnold in a second. I, <laughs>
1: we, are gonna I mean... talk, we are gonna talk about <laughs> Sam Darnold. I did it again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna do this all season. So let's just we'll just roll with it. Um, but yeah, uh, Aaron just beating people up, throwing people around again. And if you don't have people in front to help stop your quarterback from having to scramble all over the place to try and make plays while their receivers who aren't that awesome are scrambling to get open. It's just going to be a recipe for disaster. So I don't put it all on Wentz. Um, Poor decision-making falls on him. The two picks, you can't, you can't put up two picks a game. Like that's obviously not going to work well in your favor, but they're another team. I'm going to give them a few weeks before I write them off. I'm basically losing at this first few weeks of games. It's sort of, preseason where teams are sort of figuring out their identity. I don't think the Eagles are are any different.
0: Yeah, and and that's that's what I'm trying to say, right? Like um wh- like you spent the capital to get Wentz. You spent the capital to kind of extend him and keep him there as, as your centerpiece. Like you can't just go and get a quarterback, a wide receiver, a re- like you have to be kind of committed. You need to you need to sort of sort of say like listen, we need, we need to change a little bit of what we're doing here, or we need to change a lot of bit of what we're doing here. And I just don't think that it's really like hit the Eagles yet, that maybe they're putting themselves in a hole. They're not gonna be able to climb out of this season. Yeah. So hopefully things change, but we will see Uh 49ers jets. We said the jets are going to continue to jet and they're going to do nothing but get jet blast from the 49ers takeoff. And we didn't think this one was going to be close. I said, Jets score 14 points max and they scored 13 points. Thank you. Sam Stradama strikes again. Uh seven of those points came within one minute to go in the game. So really a consolation prize. Uh Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa both gave their ACLs in the valiant effort against the MetLife Stadium turf. So this is not good. Uh the 49ers obviously are staying in New York because they're playing the Giants at the same stadium that they just played the Jets in, in which Raheem Mostert got injured. Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. Uh you had two of your star defensive players get carted off the field. Like this is this is not good. Like, yeah, you put up a ton of points on the Jets, but you didn't need to.
1: So part of me asks to wonder, because I saw all the bitching and moaning after the game about the turf and everyone else. Seems to be one team got beat up there, not the team that was also there. So you can make the argument that the turf was bad, but you would expect to see equal injuries on both sides. I mean, I I don't know. Uh, Garoppolo didn't tear his ACL inside that stadium when he first got injured. So there's something about that team. I don't know if maybe you got to take a look at like the conditioning coach or the, you know, the strength training coaches or, or someone else. That team has just got terrible, terrible, terrible luck. Um, obviously you can make a case for the turf there, but there's turf all over the league. You don't brand have brand new city. turf though. Brand
0: new turf that was, you know, within a couple of weeks of being installed. So, I mean, not every yeah. team like Arizona has the ability to grow their own field and just roll it in. You right. Know? Some, some people right. got
1: turf that, you know, might not be that good. Right. But, I mean, if we go and we play four more games on the turf and there's not one more injury, is it safe to say, okay, it's not the turf. The team just has bad luck. I'm sure that's something that has to be considered. I mean, we'll call this one the injury bowl because it was literally just nothing but injuries all over the place. Jimmy G, Mustard Solomon, our uh, Mustard Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, Tevin Coleman was just ruled out. Some of these guys are out for weeks if not the entire season. Um that's really really difficult to try and overcome some of those. We're going to talk about it a little bit in our prediction for next week where I think the Giants are actually going to win a game because they're oh. going up against the San Francisco replacements at this point. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah.
0: Well um, oh, cool. that chalked it up as a as a loss for next week because that's, not, that's yeah. not gonna happen. The 49ers Don't... have
1: they're gonna win that game. Yeah, the the one shining moment was Chris Hogan. There you who go. Who came from the couch at home and got signed to a team and put up seventy five yards, uh, which the most he put in a single game all last season was sixteen yards. So a good little turnaround for him. Uh, he's one of those guys I was always rooting for. I know he was a converted lacrosse player who then went on to play football. I thought he did great when he was with the Pats. I know he kind of stumbled a little bit afterwards, but uh, I'm hoping this is a good fit. I'm hoping he finds a way to uh, find some success with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. Aaron Darnold, with Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, but I hope this ends up being a good opportunity for him. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think Sam could do well if he's given a little bit more help to make some moves and he starts making a little bit smarter decisions. I'll be pulling for him a little bit more over the next couple of weeks. I'm definitely not there yet. Um, but heart goes out to the Niners. I think they're about to cough up a couple losses. And I think this season is. Uh, it's not, not it's not wash. away from them yet
0: because we're we're only in week two, but like, this is the thing. If you, if you say that the turf isn't really that big of a deal, what I would say to you as my last point about this is remember when the John, when the chiefs and Rams were going to play in Mexico city and pictures of, of that, that field came out and it was so bad. Both teams kind of tacitly refused to play and and they got it changed. Um, You're not obviously going to do that with brand new turf. The expectation is the turf is good quality. However, if there is anything that's confirmed by this week's game, maybe it is a conditioning issue. But maybe it really is a field and a turf issue. And the NFL is already looking into it, as they should. And we hope that this isn't naturally something that's going to take out a lot more teams. I mean, as we can already see, we're down two full NFL rosters between COVID opt outs and just injuries off this past Sunday. You know, we don't need uh, New York MetLife Stadium being the graveyard of football empires.
1: Right. I mean, and this is not a shot at Mexico City at all, but you're comparing Mexico City to a high end stadium in New York that is used to playing american football on so there is a little bit of a difference there maybe all
0: right bills dolphins um we didn't really believe the dolphins are going to get it done is it two at time we thought the bills are going to win this would be too close for comfort because that's what it was and unless you started josh Allen, your fantasy squad with four and 17 yards and four tds there are 29 combined points in the fourth quarter alone this was the game that if you didn't have this on your local coverage you were looking at the updates on maybe the Worldwide Leader app or the Yahoo Sports app or Fox Sports, whatever it is you're looking at, and you're just going, oh, my goodness, this game is bananas. Why are we not seeing coverage from this game? Now, what was crazy about it is that both teams were at 50% or below on third down, yet somehow all their players kept getting behind the defense and just scoring these long touchdowns. And, of course, Allen's just going to do his thing. Uh, Shout out to my wife. She left him on the bench. Sorry, babe. Probably shouldn't do that going
1: forward. Unreal. He went ham ham like not just throwing the ball all over the place and running if anybody has seen the viral video of him charging downfield stiff not even stiff arming literally taking defensive players and pushing them off of him into the ground and fighting for a first down and then coming out afterwards being like a hundred times out of a hundred i'm putting my body in the line for that because sometimes you just gotta show your team that you're you're here for them Four touchdowns, 417 yards, like Sam said, and not one pick, not one, none. That is less than Tom Brady, the Mm. goat of all goats, less than Russell Wilson threw. The guy is really starting to shine a little bit. uh, And you hope that this sort of helps build some momentum. I do feel bad for the Bills. They really thought this was going to be their season with the exit of Brady. New England, we're going to talk about in a little bit seems to really be putting their stuff together and looks like a team that could really be a problem for that entire division uh so sorry bills i mean, we're we kidding the jets the... <laughs> but uh the bills uh you i this looks like it's going to be their year to be competitive if he can continue same conversation we have with every mobile quarterback you got to worry about injuries obviously injuries are a big problem this season and he's not just putting himself out there he's literally. Going through guys like he's Gronkowski out there. All
0: right, Vikings Colts. We said there's no way Mike Zimmer's defense, the Zim's Reapers, are gonna they're gonna rebound here. They're, they they got to be pissed after last week, and we said sorry, not sorry, Philip freaking Rivers, uh, and they put up 11 points. Uh, the Vikings yeah. are now 0 and 6 against the Colts. Um, let me check my notes here. Oh, the past two decades, like, yeah. oh my goodness, I thought for sure, for sure. The Vikings are going to put it together here. Uh, and the only thing that we've seen with any sort of semblance of, and, and I guess it's good, it's kind of a good semblance, is that if your name is Adam Thielen and Adam Thielen is on your fantasy <laughs> roster, I mean, right now you are getting all of the targets on all the yards, and and that's great. But like you sign Cook to this this multi million dollar extension, and you're getting limited, you know, limited touches and limited running action. Like, what I don't understand what is going on with this team here. How did they lose to the Colts? Because your
1: quarterback passes for 42%. That's how he just did not look good this week. It was just bad, really bad. And like, it's not just now, it's a string of bad losses and bad performances. And they're starting to kind of add up a little bit. Uh, Like you said, they're 0 6 against the Colts now, going back to. 2000 which That was
0: 20 years ago
1: (laughs) How have you not figured it out How have you not squeaked out A single win and it's not like Rivers did amazing He's keeping the the interception Train rolling he had another interception this week Only through Or only completed 19 passes Got 214 yards did have a, a touchdown To match the interception but it wasn't like he came out And had a stellar performance either This was just how bad Cousins Stunk it up this weekend you have some premier talent, you're not taking advantage of it, and at some point when you got to look around and figure out why, accuracy quarterback is probably pretty high on that list for things to be checking out. So, again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll give him a couple more weeks to kind of put it together. Maybe it's a timing issue. Maybe it's a conditioning issue. He's just not there yet. Um, arm strength or accuracy-wise, I I don't, I don't know. He just looked really, really bad. Um, I don't have the highest hopes for that team. You you went into it thinking that okay, I'm I'm on my list. They were you know middle of the pack. They are quickly plummeting to not even middle low, just the low end of the uh the pack for me.
0: It it is a, a shocking I think turnaround. Again, it's only a couple of games, so I th- I think they will find a way to sort of you know right the ship if you will. But this is a team that you know, was in the NFC championship game, like, you know, just a couple of years ago, like you would think that the drop off in talent wouldn't be that, that much, but it looks like, you know, they're really missing, uh, Daniel Hunter. They, they, of course, Anthony Barr torn pack. He's probably out for the season. So that is a very, very, uh, devastating loss to them as well. Um, so uh, let's hope that turns around lions and Packers. Uh, we said, go pack, go, uh, is going to make an effort, but the pack are going to roll and <laughs> they rolled, they rolled out 31 points in the middle of two quarters for what is quickly becoming a terrible constructive criticism sandwich that is the Detroit Lions season. Uh, the Lions have lost their last four games by double digits. Matt Patricia is now 9-24-1. And I bet if some folks who were seriously wondering if Jim Caldwell's 9-7 and season was as low as that franchise could go, maybe they realized it wasn't that bad after all. Okay, Caldwell was quiet, but as Matt, a frequent listener to the pod and devoted Lions fan, has pointed out to me, he was respected. Now, we know that multiple players have moved on from the Motor City after reportedly not getting along with Matty P. So we do have to give them let them credit. The people that have been there have been sticking it out, doing doing the Lord's work, okay? But they have been bit pretty hard by the injury bug as well. But still, there just does not make any sense why a team in the division just come up and roll roll you up in the carpet. Like, this is something like out of a mob movie. Like, someone comes up with a silenced weapon, takes you out, rolls you up in a carpet, and leaves you on the street. Like, that's kind of what happened to the Lions this week.
1: Yeah, they just got stuffed in the locker. It was it was bad. Um, I think it gets chalked up to, I mean, if we look at the Lions, this is their 11th straight loss. And I think it just goes in the long list of coaches associated with Bill Belichick, who have gone on exp- and expect to do these great things, just not living up to it. You have a decent quarterback in, in Stafford. You did get hit by the injury bug. You did go up against a stud this week. Rodgers is playing some of the best football at the start of the season as he, as he has. It's because he listened to the podcast and he's mad at you. That's what's happening. He is mad at me. He is mad at me. But it, it's fine. I, I'm here as the motivator. I mean, no ill will except maybe Baker Mayfield, uh, but I don't, I have no ill will <laughs> towards anybody. Um, No, I mean, Rogers came out 240 yards to touchdowns, uh, but it's the lions, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it didn't get too out of control until the second and the third. And then uh, the, the, the eight points they put up the seven or eight points they put up in the fourth quarter was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Here's your participation trophy. It's
1: yeah. just,
0: just brutal. Um, Let's let's be thinking though, because right, we got some lions fans listen to the podcast or a podcast of the people, and we got to give the people what they want. Where, what, like if if Maddie P does kind of get moved on from, which I would think, two three seasons in a row, like this is a trend. Like you have to do something here. Who is probably like one of the the big offensive coordinators that you would be like, you know what, give this guy control of the lions or or girl. And and we think this is going to change. We, we we can turn this around.
1: I don't even know. Uh, oh, you don't? Because I got one. I, well, so the the weird part about this team is I can't necessarily point it and say this is Patricia's fault, right? Like he's made some how, decisions that how were. How could you not?
0: Nine twenty four and one.
1: I know, and they're zero two out of the two of three seasons that he's been the coach. But I don't.
0: One time is a coincidence. Two times is a trend. Three times is a you problem. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that that is an accurate statement. I I wonder a little bit if it is some of the offensive coordinator side of things. But yeah, I mean, ultimately the head coach is the guy responsible for all that. And if you thought it was your offensive coordinator, you should have moved him on your own. So, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Who who would you fill in there? You're not gonna see this coming. Uh, he's studying underneath.
0: Bruce Arians right now. He's had a chance to work with the goat and Tom Brady, and he actually made Jameis Winston serviceable. It's the one. It's the only Byron Leftwich. Give that man the head coaching job (laughs) in Detroit. I'm telling you, there's no way he has not absorbed enough from working with Dirk Cutter, who was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons when they were able to scheme up a ton of points. Stafford is going to wither on the vine if you don't start giving him some real innovative things to do. Open the playbook up. Like you can tell that that team, the team is together in Detroit, right? They didn't, they didn't practice. They wanted to come together for social justice, but it wasn't exactly like Maddie P was leading the way in that one. Okay, mm-hmm. you need, you need someone to return the power and prowess to the Motor City, and it's Byron Leftwich. And I am gonna say it right now, and if it doesn't happen, I'm gonna be super upset.
1: Yeah, uh, Maddie's Matty, on a short leash. I think if they don't turn the season around, this might be his last one. Yeah, I, I think so too. I don't even know if he'd make it to the end of the season, to be honest. I think if they come out and they drop like six or seven in a row, you're going to start hearing the grumblings. And if they go like two and eight, two and we'll say, even if they go like, I don't know, even if they squeak out four wins, that's not going to be enough. I think, I think this might be the end, the end of the line for him, unless something seriously changes, which with all the injuries around the league, I haven't looked at the line schedule, but there's, there's potential to squeak out a few wins. You, I hope not only in that. I hope they're not squeaked out wins. I think I, I hope they're hard fought wins. Yeah. Cause I would hate to see him, you know, go on and, and, and come back for another few years because of a winning season. If it's not a true winning season. So sure that. All right, moving on
0: Falcons, Cowboys, uh, Look, we said the Falcons are maybe not so good on fourth down, but they have too much firepower and a great onside kicker in young way and there's no way they should lose this game. Uh, <laughs> put this in the freezing cold takes section, Tim, because how can we describe what's going on in Atlanta? Dan Quinn is probably going to survive the season because there's just too much talent for them to go sub 500. But my goodness, you have to think that this season, going into next season, is pretty much make it or break it for the once-coveted Seahawks defensive coordinator because you would have told me your defense is going to get you four fumbles. You're thinking we're winning the game. Those four yeah. fumbles were enough to surely do the Cowboys. And Mike McCarthy's newfound love of analytics should have been the nail in the coffin because he's an old school guy. Nope. I I I bought into it. I started Calvin Ridley this week. He did very well for me in fantasy. Um, and then the onside kick bonanza was one of the most hilarious things I think I've seen in a football game in recent memory. Man. Uh, no, no player from the Falcons wanted to drop on top of it. Even though the moment the ball is kicked, they can, they can recover it. So the Cowboys really, to me, look scary good when they're backed up against the wall. Which again just goes to sort of rectify what I think the Cowboys are going to win this division. Um, coming out the gate against the Rams, they made some sort of you know quizzical decisions, but uh, this was a huge, huge win for them. They lost some players already to injury. You know, you give up so many, so many fumbles, mental mistakes like that. And Dak's like, nah, I got it. I'm going to throw for a touchdown. I'm going to throw for over 400 yards. I'm going to run for three more. Zeke's going to eat. You know, like, we're going to be fine. If this type of game doesn't convince you that you need to pay Dak Prescott, you are not going to see the value in him, and you're going to let another team steal him, and you're going to lose to that team like the Vikings continue to lose to the Colts. It's just unbelievable. I I am not looking forward necessarily to next week The the Cowboys and the Seahawks always play too close to the vest. Very much similar to like how the, the the Seahawks and the Patriots play. And I am, I'm not scared outright, but I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm sweating. So big Dan, if you listen to the podcast, I mean, don't take that as I'm, I'm
1: capitulating, and just laying down, you're going to win the game, but my goodness. Yeah. Dak showing out, um, 35, 47 for 450 yards four oh, touchdowns man. and three of those touchdowns he carried on his own which is insane just destroyed the Falcons defense particularly late in the game um my my lukewarm take on this though is if I'm putting value in Dak in his performance I'll give him some stock or some credit in just the not-quit attitude, just to come out and keep playing. But unfortunately, I think this comes down less about total execution on Dak's side and just more a total, total collapse on the Atlanta side. Like, I wonder if Matt Ryan goes to sleep and has nightmares about double-digit leads because that team coughs them up regularly, right? They, They haven't quite felt the same since the loss to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They've coughed up several of these big leads in games that they should have won. Like this is another game. We're talking about how great the Cowboys are because they won. All they had to do was literally fall on a ball and we wouldn't be having this conversation. We talk about Falcons that put up another gaudy amount of points because they did. Right. So the Dallas defense got pummeled for most of the game for most teams are going to
0: most teams are going against the Falcons. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, like the the ground game is like doing just enough to keep the defense honest. Who who in the world wants to cover one of those three people right now? Like Matt Ryan, he probably does have nightmares about blowing double digit leads, but
1: he shouldn't because he should have awesome dreams about having a, a like a crazy good trio of receivers. Yeah, and I I can't fault him for for I'm I'm not saying that the the Cowboys defense is terrible, but that's that's a lot of points. I don't care how many good receivers you have that is a ton of points and the fact that you got outscored still means that your defense is also equally questionable like you you made some moves you you had some turnovers which are fantastic but then you failed to execute when it really really mattered and you coughed up a shit ton of points in the tail end of that game uh obviously they didn't lose the game because they weren't on the hands team the guys out there who literally just watched the ball i can't for the life of me, figure out what it was they were trying to do. Were you, it's either a a failure in coaching and not properly coaching them on when they can touch the ball. Um, Maybe that whole team had money on the line for the, for the game (laughs) or something. I have no idea, but that was, that was one of the weirdest finishes to a game I've ever seen. You have a you have a team coming at you with all the momentum, who just everybody who watches any Sunday football understands okay, there's barely any time left. They're going to onside kick this thing in hopes for a miracle to come out of this. I, you're you the hands team. You should know the rule to a T. If it goes, maybe they thought it didn't quite travel the distance. It was going to come up with a penalty and they were going to have to re kick it. I have no idea. It was the dumbest end to a close game that I have ever, ever seen. And I, I, I still can't quite pin on whether this was a stellar performance by Dak, bad performance by the defense. It was clearly bad defensive performance on both sides of the ball because that was like a D2 basketball score at the end of that. So that's not yeah anything you want to write home about on either side of the ball. Um, Here, Here's the this, thing, though. Yeah. There's no way that the Atlanta Falcons players
0: don't know what they're supposed to do, seeing as they have young way coup and they have recovered more onside kicks than they've lost. And no other team is even trying to attempt onside kicks. They knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, It really does look like a collapse on the defense and the special team side. And that was supposed to be Quinn's shining priority. That's, that's what he was known for in Seattle. And that's what he was going to bring to that city. And now, the past couple seasons, they had season-ending injuries to their yeah. linebacker and, and their their stud DB. So, like, you understand that. But there was no, no excuse for this. You had them. You had the kill
1: shot lined up. You missed. And you yeah. got dragged. Dragged. Yeah. It's going to haunt them. It's going to be a couple games before they recover from something like that. Because if you're Matt Ryan, you have to stop and think, like, Jesus Christ, how many points do I have to put on this board? to get us a win. Can you guys please just make a move and stop somebody? I literally put up almost 50 points. What more of a cushion do you need? And they couldn't do it. So that poor guy is going to go down as one of those players that was a phenomenal quarterback and then didn't have much to show for it because his teams just can't seem to close the door uh, with massive leads or any sort of commanding lead. Oh, oh they close the door, All
0: right, the, the door gets closed in their face. That's, that's definitely yeah. what happens. All yeah. right. Whew. Giants-Bears. Um, we thought, uh, you know, Giants confidence may be waning early on, but if Jones can button it up and cut down on mistakes, it could go either way. And we kind of went Bears. We said in Mitchell we somewhat trust. Uh, this was a disaster of a game. Saquon Torres ACL. He's out for the season. Somehow the Bears are 2-0, and this is the most 2020 NFL team I could think of, the Bears being 2-0. Maybe Matt Nagy knows something we don't as the head coach of the Bears. Maybe his squad is just really, really lucky. Uh, I'm not sure, but I definitely have to think that they were benefited by that and the fact that the Giants, uh, like some of these other teams we've been talking about, they seem to be stuck in like third gear. And I just don't understand how... At this level, that can be possible. Um, well, obviously, you know, knowing that Devonta Freeman is going to pass the COVID protocol and, and probably be a new starting running back for the Giants. Like that doesn't exactly like give me a ton of confidence that they're going to win a lot more games. Uh, so maybe it's sort of like the, the Falcons and the Cowboys and where it's is it really a standout performance by another team or you just lasted longer in the fight? And I think that's kind of what happened here. All right, moving on. The football team. It still sounds weird to say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. The Washington football team uh, versus the Cardinals. We said the Cardinals are going to win this game by a touchdown at least. Uh, newsflash, they won by 15 points. Um, the Washington football team isn't playing you a know, backup O-line like they did the previous week. So the Cardinals put up points early. They took the entire third quarter off, and they still added another 10 points for a good measure in the fourth. Now, Scary Taylor McLaurin had a 125-yard outing. DeAndre Hopkins' first receiving touchdown of the year after seeing – Just a ton of targets over the last two games. And by the way, the Texans only have two receiving touchdowns this year, both the tight ends. So um, the Texans, whether they want to admit it or not, and we're going to continue to say it all year, are sorely, sorely missing DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Yeah, he pulled in his first touchdown in a Cardinals uniform. The entire offense, though, did get outshined by Kyler Murray with two rushing touchdowns and one in the air. Uh, It was a pretty impressive second game. For Murray, you kind of knew going into it, he may do well, but obviously his size was a concern. But for me, I think the most impressive thing of the game was you can't help but watch any quarterback running around and kind of hold your breath every time they take off, especially in an injury-laden weekend. But for him, the amount of times he breaks out and just doesn't get touched is like startling. Like He runs through groups of people who barely put a finger on him. He is just very, very elusive. Some of it's going to be his size, his quickness, but he seems to have a pretty good awareness because he does go down when it looks like he's going to be in position to take some hits. But that man did some pretty crazy stuff in that game. I never really had a lot of confidence in Washington as far as going in and and making much of a game. Um, And I think the game's score wasn't as close as what that game actually played out to be. A lot of time got eaten or off the clock. could have been. Yeah, because I think that a lot of time got eaten off the clock because they did move the ball on the ground a little bit. Kyler ran quite a bit, um, which obviously keeps the clock moving. And I think given a little bit more time or, or maybe a couple more passes, that that game is another one that could easily have gone up another one to maybe two touchdowns before the end of it. Uh, it was just a fast-paced game. But it is truly impressive to watch a guy like that who is reliant on his legs just get go upfield for big gains and just not get touched. It's it's yeah, I gotta tell you, for Arizona Cardinals fans, I think this
0: is a, this is a rebirth that they are they are excited to see. And I can't blame them, except they they're in the NFC West, and I just wish they were in a different division. But yeah, <laughs> that's just a Seahawks fan in me. All right, Chiefs Chargers. We said last week, LOL Chiefs by a lot. And if you have the Chargers defense that's in your lineup for fantasy, hit the waiver wire. Uh, Give the rock to Austin Eckler, please. And dude did the Chargers. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, they they Mm kind of made that thing. Tyrod Taylor didn't play in this game due to a chest injury. He wasn't able to breathe. Went to the hospital, the ER before the game. Rookie Justin uh, Herbert came in. And in relief of that, 22 for 33, a pick and a touchdown. He rushed for another one. He took the reigning Super Bowl champions to OT. And somehow, in all of that, the Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn, decided to punt the ball back to the Chiefs in OT after they couldn't convert and then watched a 58-yarder go through the uprights two times in a row. Okay, So they kick. Oh, it was a false start. We're going to tack on five yards. So now it was 53 yards. Now it's going to be 58. Oh, we're going to ice the kicker. Harrison Bucker put it through for 58. We're going to let him actually kick the 58 yarder. And then he actually connects it again. So three kicks in a row, this man kicked from 50 yards. Like, no, absolutely not. Like that is the reigning Super Bowl MVP. You do not give the ball back to that person in overtime. What yeah. worse comes to worst, You put your defense back out there because you didn't convert. Like that was, that was not a smart move whatsoever. And you know, Bucker is, is the second NFL kicker in history to make a pair of 58 yarders in the same game. And that Yahoo sports had that. Um, the Chiefs have beat the Chargers 12 out of the last 13 times they've met. That does not mean to me on fourth down in OT with a rookie quarterback that you said, nah, you know what? I trust the defense. You have something going. You were able to bring it to OT. You got cute, and you lost a game that you probably you could have snuck a win out.
1: Yeah, I, the, the, the Chiefs did not win by a lot. Uh, this was, for me... Other than the the Pats-Seahawks game, total fandom aside, that was just a fantastic game. Other than that one, this was the most exciting game for me of the weekend, just because of the storyline that followed it. Um, you have a rookie quarterback who has not taken a snap in a professional game going up against the Super Bowl MVP and the reigning champions. And he made a game out of it. Like a lot of that obviously comes down to the Chargers defense because they kind of kept it in yeah. and coaching, They kind of kept the game. The situation it was that gave you the, the opportunity because, you know, Mahomes is usually good for like a 30 spot on pretty much anybody. So to see the Chargers come out and put a stop to that and keep, that, keep you in the game and then have your rookie come out and actually put up points and move the ball, they looked – really impressive against the team that they had no business even competing with. Uh, I think it's a little bit of an eye opener. You kind of wonder if, you know, I know Tyrod has been one of those guys who has been sort of bounced around a little bit. You thought maybe this was going to be his year really hard to look yeah. at what you had on sunday and then say you know what do we want to do with this do we want to because now there's there's a lot of eyes that are going to be on that again granted it's a one game sample size in a obviously a weird preseason going into the season again beat the dead horse you don't know what you're going to get for another couple of weeks but it was definitely an interesting thing to see um I'm curious to see how many teams paid attention to that game over the weekend and are going to start adopting some of uh, some of the Chargers schemes against teams like the Chiefs and see if that starts holding Mahomes and, and those guys down a little bit because most of the games that they're in, they're putting up a ton of points. If it's not in the beginning, they're coming back and scoring a ton of points. So it's really, really hard to stop those guys. So you know, what they were doing was working. It's great to work for. All right, it was great to root for because, again, it's another one where Mahomes did stage a come-from-behind win again, um, but hell of a game. It was incredibly fun to watch. Uh, I was on bedtime duty, and I was literally walking up the stairs, and I paused and like kept my head around the corner just to keep an eye on it. And then as soon as my son fell asleep, uh, I sat in his room and watched the rest. <laughs> not, not my proudest <laughs> dad moment, but while he was lying next to me, uh, uh, his eyes were closed and I turned the game on where he couldn't see it. That's, it. that's Sorry, pretty Kyle. great. Uh, but yeah, that one was a really hard one to to turn off. That was that was a lot of fun.
0: It's, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And, and we need more. You know, the good thing is we're going to have another one of these games because they're in the same division. Look forward to that. All right. Moving on, Ravens, Texans. Look, we, we feel bad for the Texans. Week one, you run into the Chiefs. That's a, that's a buzzsaw. And then this week, you run into a chainsaw. Uh, we said Ravens, you know, in OT off a Justin Tucker kick. And the Ravens defense had some stuff to say about that, as did Justin Tucker. And um, even though I think that the Texans were desperate to rewrite their week one narrative, they didn't put up a ton of points. Um, rough just rough not not only are they missing a wide receiver not only do they not seem to be gelling not only does you know there are the questions about the impending doom of Bill O'Brien or maybe you know folks like JJ Watt moving on or you know even though you got your star quarterback that just signed his, his big money extension like can we can we get a look at the at the language in that is there a no trade clause cuz my goodness if you keep trotting out a a yeah. a u team out there
1: against uh, a NFL team. Like you're going to get these type of results. Yeah. Deshaun Watson is for me, not quite living up to the expectations I had going in for going into the season. This one isn't all on him. Uh, I knew that was last weeks he's doing what he can, but you can polish it all you want. Can't shine shit. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I think uh, this is, for me, it's it's doesn't get any more rough of a start than having those two te- teams being the ones who kind of work out your quote unquote preseason with or your uh, your warm up games. That's I don't care who you are going up against those teams. It's not going to end well for the most part. And if you squeaked out a win, it was going to be a hard fought, painful win. Texans just seem lost. Last week, this week, um, there's something. That isn't gelling right you kind of wonder ah, you know what I'm not going to overthink this one I think you just went up against two really well established teams that are just in their bag right now just taking names working their way through teams um, neither of those, neither the, the Chiefs or the Ravens seem to be really impacted by this weird offseason or any extended time off obviously Mahomes going up against the Chargers that like we just talked about. That wasn't the highest scoring game, and it was pretty close. But I think that has to do with, you know, some of the, the new looks from the Chargers more so than I do any, you know, preseason woes because the Chiefs came out and, and steamrolled the the first week. Uh, I think this is, this is more of the same. I think you're going to see a lot of these kind of games from the Ravens moving forward. Maybe not next week. Next week's probably going to be a little bit more competitive. But I'll, I'll cut the Texans some slack. Then another one you got to watch, kind of work their stuff out and see how yeah. this goes. But I think you'll start seeing some pretty drastic changes if the midway to end of the season comes and they're still putting up games like these because these games just have not been great.
0: Yeah, I don't expect them to go 0-3. Um, but if they do, there's a lot of questions to be asked for sure. Sunday Night Football, Pat Seahawks. I said Seahawks. You said Seahawks. And I said, look, you know, versus the Dolphins, turnovers can make the game feel closer than than it probably should have been, right? Uh, But the Seahawks came out firing. Russ spotted the Patriots a quick six, okay? And then he didn't look back from there. Uh, He he looked fantastic. And honestly, I, I have a few thoughts to say about this. Russell Wilson is elite, unlike Joe Flacco. And if you don't understand it now, you're either not watching football or you're not a fan or you don't want to believe it. Uh, The guy, when he's allowed the keys to the castle, can just do amazing things. And that defense was doing him no favors, okay? Second thing, Cam, he's going to do great things for the Patriots. I know a lot of people were like, oh, maybe the injury history, maybe this, maybe that. Get off that. The guy ran the ball. He passed the ball effectively and, like, yeah, it came down to a goal line stand, which made this one hell of a classic game. But to be honest, most people thought that the Seahawks were going to just roll them in that game, and they didn't, uh, and that is largely due to camp. One last thing I will say, the ejection, right? Diggs on the kill, Harry. Was it warranted? Yes. I, I think Diggs honestly meant to lead with his shoulders, but his head got there, got there first. I think when you're talking about some of the tackling techniques earlier, you, the speed of the game, It it definitely happens. The way that the Seahawks preach tackling is a rugby style. It takes the head out of it. So I don't really think it was necessarily – I mean, it wasn't egregious. It was a bang-bang play, right? So he's going to get fined. He got ejected from the game. Um, But he even reached out to Harry and and apologized for it. And even Harry said he didn't think it was intentional. So, like, people are going to be upset about it. That's fine. But you should not lose – the fact that every time these two teams come together, we get fantastic regular season football, and it's a crime that the NFL has not given us this matchup every single other year. Like, we have been subjected to so many Patriots-Packers games, and I'll spoil it for you. The home team never loses, so Russ is just not capable of winning in Lambeau right now. I don't get it. But every time these two teams come together, we get fireworks,
1: and it's some of the best football (laughs) of the season, and we need more of it the Patriots really should have won that game. It, and it came down. Without without
0: that pick six and you missing the field goal, like that game was not going to be close. Russ was going to put up
1: another TD if given the chance. Julian Edelman, who had 179 yards, the most reliable man on that team was in the end zone and the ball passed directly through his hands. He makes that catch. Ninety-nine out of a hundred times, and that was that would have been it for the game. And we ended up going down and having to try and put it in on the on the goal line. That should have been, and to my shock, I didn't think it was going to be as close as it was. That should have been a Patriots win. The fact that Jules missed that one, but he caught some of the other crazy passes he caught earlier, really, like on his own in the air in the end zone, right? It wasn't even. He didn't even stretch for the ball. He went up like he does 20 times a game and it just right through his hands. That one was uh that one was a tough one. Yeah. Obviously you wish you got that back, but man, that was for me, that felt as close to a playoff game as we'll probably feel most of the season. Um, it lived up to all the hype bigly. It was, it was a fantastic <laughs> game. Um, Wilson and Cam both showed up and had themselves a day. Russ had 288 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, he's on a very, very short list of players to ever do that against Belichick. Drew Brees was the only other one to do it, and that was back in 2009. So that's not something that happens all that often. And then Cam, 30 for 44 with 397 yards, with one passing touchdowns, uh, one passing touchdown and two rushing touchdowns it's that kind of shows what we thought he might have been capable of doing going into the season before all the injury stuff kind of happened um i'm trying not to get myself too excited about it yet because like i said this is another one of those let's see a couple weeks although the exponential growth between week one and week two is pretty startling Uh, yeah was a lot of conversation on week one about jewels and jewels as cam called him and cam not quite being on the same page and that got put to rest because not only did they link up but they linked up bigly as well uh he only targeted edelman maybe 10 times total but on eight receptions he had 179 yards that is Mm -hmm. huge it ties a record for edelman as well if he had caught that end zone touchdown that would have put him over 200 yards on the day which would have been crazy but it does seem like they put themselves together you kind of wish they had switched up to play a little bit on the end but they got the same exact look they did the first two times so you can't really fault them it's not like they went with the old standby let's just see if this goes you got up it was the same exact look you thought it had the same chance kind of wish they audibled out um i'm a big fan of the the shotgun runs that they do because it's not something you see very often the quarterback sneak he's usually off center or, or right on top of the center but and to be honest, it wasn't even necessarily like a, a defensive player broke through and made the tackle. They literally just pushed the the lineman he was up against to the ground.
0: And I think opened, I think you must have been hole. watching
1: a different feed because
0: if if Quandre Diggs doesn't get ejected, Julian Edelman doesn't feast for 180 yards over the middle because Seattle's cupboard of of defensive lots. backs is running thread. The But we can always point. go with the what is that was. We know that, that that's a you can catch. Go ahead and Do- rewatch the video. Your boy yeah. could have easily faked and thrown right over the defense like they did to the Jakob earlier, and they chose not to do it. They chose to get cute, and you lost the game on that. Yeah, because that's what Agreed. happens when you have a scoring play that that works enough times for you, it lulls you into this sense of security. Yeah, so Agreed. you know what? No, I, yeah, I here's what I will they, say: <laughs> meet yeah. us in the Super Bowl and try that again, and I doubt it's going to work.
1: Yeah, I that, you, there's lots of what ifs, players getting ejected, whatnot. We could both agree that is a catch, Julian. that make. Julian Edelman would make a hundred times out of a hundred. That was Except a, he didn't
0: make it for the ninety nine yeah. time out of a hundred.
1: Yeah. So that wasn't like a, a what if that wasn't a miracle play. That was literally just the strangest time for a fluke like that to happen. Right, anyway. just
0: like just just like you know, four years ago, it was the strangest time for Rob Gronkowski not to catch a fade route in the end zone against Cam Chancellor. Just like four years before that, it was unthinkable that Russell Wilson, a rookie, could go ahead and hit Sidney Rice for the go-ahead touchdown. Enough with that, you guys. Oh, look, you got your Super Bowl we like to, it, Let us have this. My gosh,
1: it, it's a regular season game, man. Relax. You're good. Okay. All You're right. good. All right. All right. All You'll right. have a good All season. Right. You'll have a good. It's game two. Game two. They let's probably should have lost, but game let's fifth. move on. I'm, I'm gonna get a noise complaint from my neighbors for being so loud. <laughs> All right,
0: Monday Night Football, Saints Raiders. We said, look, Mike Thomas is not gonna play, but Raiders could win maybe 10 out of 100 of, these, of this game if it was played. You know, hundred, you know, 10 times out of 100, the final score may look closer, but the Saints are too low to skill positions. They're gonna win this one. The Raiders, there's no way they're gonna win. And oh, oh, oh my gosh, about halftime, I was like, yeah, this is this prediction is gonna go up in flames.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what the hell we just watched. Um, wasn't even wasn't even close in my mind going into that game. You're like, oh, this is gonna be an ugly Monday night game. You're gonna wish that they had another pairing. Cool, I got my Monday night back to do whatever I feel like doing. And then watch I happen- Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> <laughs> what? Catch up on Pretty Little Liars. And uh, I was so wrong. That was unreal. I put the game on like five minutes into it, and I was like oh, the Raiders aren't getting blown out yet? What's going on here? This this doesn't seem right. No, this is interesting. Let me sit down and watch this. So I ended up sitting down and watching the entire game, and I could not understand what I was watching for two reasons. One, because the Raiders happened to go up and stay up. But two, Drew Brees looked bad, real bad. And I know after the game... All of the fan base in New Orleans who seem to have a one-week-long short-term memory were like, oh, he's old, and it's this is bad, and they were comparing him to, like, tail end of, you know, far and other quarterbacks who held on for too long. The man literally just came off of a stellar week. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. He just, something wasn't working, and whether or not that was the Raiders' defense scheming for it properly, but his average yard are. L- Passing length was like under five yards. So something just wasn't right. They did just lose Thomas, who was an integral part of that receiving core that you relied on heavily all of last season and at the start of this season. And he's just out. So you got to cut Breeze a little bit of slack off night on his end. And just the best night of the Raiders last two years going into this night was just a recipe for disaster but
0: like that 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 raiders defense was like it's like they took all the hype around their hard knock season and just brought it to the field now it was the opening you know game for Allegiant stadium dubbed the death star um it it looks fantastic in there and i mean Carr was just like just he had this magnetic connection with darren waller and waller was like if you got that dude like the the 6th or 7th round of your fantasy draft this year, you're just laughing at all the haters right now cuz that dude is going to get targets like galore going forward and he knows exactly what to do with him. He just trucks over defenders and he just keeps going. He gets yards after the catch. He's a monster. Like the the amount of praise that was going on the MNF broadcast last night just about this guy. Like I mean, you got to you got to watch that. They they didn't get a chance to use rugs the way they did week 1, but like Carr has to be feeling like, "Okay, I have a running back. I have a couple receivers. I've got a decent defense, and now I have a tight end. If he can't put it together after this, you, your your sympathy goes whoop right down to zero for him because Gruden and Mayock have given
1: him everything he could possibly need. That is for the Raiders faithful. All right, it's, that's it's. Are we in the nineties? Because you got the Bears, you got the Raiders, yeah, you got you got, these, <laughs> you got all these. I all don't these, know all these nineties, early two thousand teams who are you know tied for best uh best record in their divisions you you never know you <laughs> never know right, that was that was week two in a long about nutshell
0: let's quickly recap what we think is gonna go week three so we're, we're gonna run through this here i'll start off with thursday night football uh it's the mustache versus the beard aka the battle for florida aka a thursday night game that's sure to bore us Silly? No, maybe bore right into our memory banks because the Jags need to keep their momentum going, all right? And the Dolphins need to push the two-a-rally rallying cries out for another week because they're already down to 0-2 this year. Mustache already has six touchdowns this season, but I really need Magic to pull this one out, okay? They barely lost last week to a really good Bills team, uh, their defense, at least we think. So I'm going to say I bet the Dolphins win here but it's a boat rates to the finish, which is fitting because most people in Florida are going to be in a boat watching this game. Anyways.
1: Uh, I got Texan Steelers at the one o'clock game on Sunday. I think the Steelers are coming off of a hot start. I think playing off of the momentum from the first two games, they are, they're, they're playing some of the best ball that they have in the last few years. If Connor can come out early, get some of the, the yards on the ground up, I think it'll open it up for Ben to kind of throw that ball all over the place. I think the Texans can't really find their footing. I think, at least not so far. So for me, most enjoyable part of that game is going to be the the Watt brothers kind of fighting themselves, uh, you know, for their parents' attention. But it's going to be <laughs> – <laughs> it's going to be uh, – I think it's the Steelers in this one. Oh, my goodness. Steelers. All right.
0: Look, Bengals-Eagles. Uh, it's a pair of 0-2 squads. They're similar in pass yards per game and rush yards per game, which equals the total yards per game. Now let's play a little game of guess the stat that doesn't matter. 58.8 completion percentage, two touchdowns, four interceptions. If you said Joey Burrow, and eh, you're wrong. It's Carson Wentz. Burrows has a 61.9 percent completion rate, three TDs, one interception. Come on now, look. The Bengals don't need, they don't need a lot here. They needed to win their first matchup against the divisional foes and the Browns, but they didn't get it done. But that doesn't mean they don't have fight and that they're not fighters. We have to remember, Joe Burrows came from the LSU Tigers. The LSU Tigers are like a Lamborghini. They're just capable of doing amazing things. And right now, the Bengals are like a Corvette. Sure, they're both sports cars. but One's kind of ridiculous and known for what it can do, and the other one's what most people buy when they have a midlife crisis. Uh, Burroughs knows he's got to let it loose, and he does it, and he has poise when he does it. And to be honest, you might need to go off every once in a while. So while he's learning to drive this thing, just give him the damn keys already. The Bengals, as we spoke about earlier, completed five of their fourth downs. Let the Tiger King roar a little bit. I mean, what do you have to lose? Let's go, Bengals. Don't mess this up.
1: (laughs) I got uh, Niners-Giants. Beginning of the season, you looked at this one. You just chalked it up to a win. There was no hesitation there. But uh, after this bloody Sunday in the injury bowl, it kind of changes up that dynamic a little bit. I think it'll be a tougher matchup than we originally thought. Yeah, one lost Saquon Parley, the other one lost its entire team. Uh, I'm still not completely ready to write off the Niners yet. This is going to be, you know, the replacements against, you know, New York's finest. Um, I think, unfortunately, the Giants do come out on top on this one. I think the injuries are just a little bit too much to overcome. Um, I mean, amongst those is Boza, who is arguably the staple on that team. Uh, he's the biggest playmaker on the defensive side. Not, have, not having him there is going to let them kind of move things around a little bit. So I think the Giants squeak out their first win. Maybe shift some momentum their way. They're going to need it with Saquon out. Um, but yeah, I got I got Giants in what'll probably be a closer game than it should be, given who your opponents are.
0: They call him Tim Big cojones Patrick Cronin. That's right that's that's a bold pick all right i got raiders pats look we, we just talked about the raiders monday Night football fantastic you, you went and stunned the world you got your primetime win in the home opener of the death star but now you're facing the patriots who mm-hmm. like you said maybe you think they should have won sunday Night football and they are a very very dangerous team okay i will say that watching that game i finally won my first jersey bet against my wife because i make jersey bets somehow against patriots every year and just like Someone who was the first guest on our podcast said, never pick against the Patriots, and I did, and I always do, and I always lose. And this year I was like, nah, you know what, fam? No, Seattle's winning that game, and now I'm going to be the recipient of a brand-new Russell Wilson jersey and not have to give out a Cameron Newton one. So I'm pretty happy about that. But listen, Raiders, your fairy tale is going to hit a speed bump here, okay? Um, The Patriots are really finding their their footing, and if you don't think that everyone's going to try and scheme to stop Julian and that's not going to mean other people are going to open up and get a lot of production, or that Cam's just not going to continue to con- like grow in this system. Because mm-hmm. remember that we didn't have this with the Patriots before, right? Tom wasn't exactly going out there and trucking guys over and running. He was a quarterback sneak here, or there. You get a touchdown, maybe. But like this guy didn't like when he hit a thousand rushing yards. Like that was like a career thing for Tom Brady. Cam is like, give me a thousand rushing yards all day. I'll I'll do whatever I can. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. 35 24 Patriots. Cam's going to dab in Wakanda forever all over this Raiders squad. And I'm sorry, but this is not the, this is not the week for you guys.
1: Titans Vikings uh Cousins continues to struggle going into this week. Uh I think they do look to bounce back. They probably do a little bit better, but I don't know if he's going to quite shake some of the ghosts from last week. Plus, you got the Titans riding a lot of this uh, early success. They got a lot of the momentum going their way. Uh, Tannehill looks prime to have another decent game if he can keep it together. And you're kind of waiting for Henry to have a big breakout game, which this one kind of feels like it could be the one where you know he's putting up 150 or more. Uh, I'm gonna guess he goes for. You know, 130, 140 on fewer attempts than he has in the last two games. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's primed for it. The Vikings look a little bit vulnerable. Uh, I think this is another one where the Titans, as long as Tannehill can keep those interceptions in check, I think this is one the Titans go up two and, and never look back. Two touchdowns. Wow, that is very definitely big going Timothy Patrick over here. My goodness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I hope next week we're saying you were so Someone keep track about. of these for us. Yeah, because we're not, uh, we're not right. good at that. All right. I got football team versus the Browns. Look, this is the battle of the one and ones. OK, the football team defense wants to prove that it's eight sack game that it had week one wasn't fluky. Uh, I mean, both basically the teams are the same in points per game at 20 and a half to 21. uh time of possession at just over 55 minutes. And yet the Washington football team has three interceptions and the Browns have none on defense, mostly because Baker Mayfield keeps giving them to the other team first. So (laughs) people tend to forget that this, that the Washington football team faced the 49ers last year in a semi monsoon and held them to nine points. This is going to be a 21, 20 game and the football team wins it this week.
1: Hmm. All right. Rams bills. uh, The Rams have been playing well. The last week, I think the Bills finally kind of showed up and started playing the way the Bills Mafia has been expecting them to play going into the season. Um, I don't think Allen's going to be pushing guys all over the place. I think the Rams' defense is a little bit more stout than some of the defenses they've faced so far. Uh, but I think he'll do enough to to make it interesting. I actually, and this is this might be my actual bold prediction for this one. I think they might actually pull it out over the Rams this week. I think they're going to build off of some of the momentum. I know, I know, I know. Uh, Okay. Uh, I, I, I think he's building the trust of his team with each game that goes on. I think they're kind of finding their groove and sort of their identity a little bit. And now you see you really have to game plan for... Allen to start moving the ball. Cause not only is he moving the ball in easy situations, he's going out and he's earning yards as well, which is sort of a new look for the bills. So I I don't think they're going to win by much. I think he's going to be under a lot of, a lot more pressure than he has been, but I think they find a way to squeak this one out. And it'll be the first game where they really make some noise uh, going into the season. So are uh, going into the, you know, half the quarter Mark slash halfway of the season. Uh, And I think it'll be, if if nothing else, I think it'll be touchdown or less. I could see it being a field goal late in the game. But I think the Bills come out and stun the world and beat beat the Rams week three. All right, let's go. Except if you're a Rams fan, sorry. But uh, (laughs) uh,
0: Bears, Falcons, I got them. Look, the the Falcons are going to win this game. They're going to have to win this game because if they don't, people are going to publicly call for Dan Quinn's removal. But I just got to say I feel super bad for what's about to happen to the Bears defensive backs because Ridley, Julio, and Gage for the Falcons are all now like clicking on all cylinders. And I, I think that Julio, while he hasn't really received like he's, he's got a ton of targets. I don't think he's really found the end zone yet. Russell Gage had a touchdown for him last week, and Julio dropped it. That's not going to happen again. Uh, Julio's going to have a TD and over 120 receiving yards. Uh, Matty Ice and Falcons, they're going to roll the Bears.
1: Four five, Panthers Chargers. Uh, Chargers are 8-4 and four against NFC teams under Anthony Lynn. I think this is going to come down to whether or not uh, Taylor gets the call. I think if they roll the same roster they had this last weekend up against a team who's missing McCaffrey, I think this could be one that the Chargers uh, run away with, to be honest. Um, McCaffrey's a huge loss. I think the momentum the Chargers are building off of, even though they didn't win, that was a pretty big statement piece to go up against the team and hold your own. I, I, I don't see the Panthers coming off of their loss, rebounding while also facing some of the injuries that you're now up against. I think this one ends up being a, a Chargers victory. And if that's the case, I wonder how quickly they are to move back to Tyrod. It's not like this was his established team. He kind of got bounced around a little bit. He thought that this was going to be, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater scenario where this is okay you're the guy now you're no longer backup let's see this see this happen uh, you go down your team almost beats the Chiefs I think if they come out and they do well again it is the Panthers so that's something to consider but I think this comes down if Tyrod's in it's a closer game I think if they go with the same roster they roll out a rookie for game two I'll take the Chargers Oh man, all right.
0: Uh Jets Colts, I'm going to roll right through this one because uh the Colts are good again, I guess. Uh this one is probably a little bit closer than last week, but Jets are going to jet. Colts are going to win 28 to 21.
1: Seahawks Cowboys. Ooh. I don't know. I keep ending up with the uh, with the, the Seahawks ones and every time I know Sam is heartbroken and nervous over there waiting for my prediction here. Uh statistically on paper, There are a lot of things that are similar between Dak and Russell. One of those though, however, is not winning percentages. Uh, One of them has won far more games than the other. I honestly don't think that's going to change the defensive side of Seattle. I think is quite a bit better than the Falcons. I don't think they're going to let up as many points, but Russell's going to keep rolling downhill like he is now. Uh, I think Seahawks going to run away with this one. And, if your fantasy team has the Cowboys, this might be another one of those where you might want to try and pick up someone off the waiver wire because uh, it runs a really high risk of, of getting pretty ugly. Metcalf, everyone else is kind of working their stuff out. Um, you went up against a really tough defense last week, which we didn't talk enough about how the Patriots defense which everyone thought was going to be garbage, seems to be stringing some quality games together. Uh, But if they can go up against a team like that and do well, you guys let up a ton of points to Atlanta. I put more faith in Russell than I do Ryan. So I think this is an easy one for the Seahawks. Sorry, Adam Pommelo and Dan Dupuy. Uh,
0: Yep. Next week you can beat them boys, but not this week. All uh, right, and I knew there's a reason we do the podcast because you know your takes just just match up to mine sometimes. Uh, bucks Broncos, ah, yes, the return of Tom to the Mile High City. Uh, we said Gronk TD last week; it didn't happen. Yeah, Gronk's going to TD this week. Please, for all the betters out there, we just got to do it. Uh, the Broncos had to go and sign Blake Bortles because Jeff Driscoll is their starting quarterback. Uh, the Bucs are going to get right in this game. I think they're going to continue to roll. Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon sorry, is going to have to carry the team again. But I expect the Bucks' defense to rack up three sacks, at least in this game.
1: I feel like Drisco- Jeff Driscoll sounds like a character in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Rootin' tootin', boss. Uh, Lions, Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals because Lions. I don't even know if that needs any more breakdown. Uh, I don't think the Lions are going to rebound against the team who has a guy like Kyler Murray who is just going to run all over them. Uh, The Lions are in some serious trouble and that's not the game for them to figure it out. Oh, for sure. No, not at
0: all. All right, that brings us to the Sunday night game. Uh, Packers Saints. Look, I want to be excited for this game, okay? Because the Raiders just dumped the Saints. Can the Saints get right for this week? Well, they're going to need to in back-to-back primetime weeks, uh, because I bet the pack is going to put up 30 here. Like it's nothing. Um, And then, you know what? Go pack, go until otherwise noted. There's just no reason to go against a team that is beginning to string things together. Whatever Matt LaFleur did in the first season that maybe he didn't allow Rodgers to make, you know, protection or, or changing the play at the line of scrimmage that appears to be gone thus far. Um, they're wanting to clearly move away from the team they were last season, which is really bad because all the teams that are they're going to face this year hope that they were the team they were last year.
1: And I have the Monday night game, which is going to be the game that should be on everybody's radar. Uh, if it's not, you're not paying attention to football. It's Chiefs-Ravens. You have the reigning league MVP going up against the Super Bowl MVP, and arguably the two best quarterbacks in the entire league. Uh sorry, Russell. Very close third. I'm gonna call him a very close third. Um I actually think of the two quarterbacks, I would put more if I was a betting man and I had to pick one of the two, I'm gonna go Lamar a hundred times out of a hundred probably. I think he's just a little bit better. Um not much. I if if I didn't get Lamar and I was stuck with Mahomes, obviously I wouldn't complain either. I had both of them on my bench last year. Uh or I'm on, on the same team last year. I don't know how it happened, but uh it was it was fun to watch them duel it out on my own team until I traded one for, you know, the entire league last year after <laughs> they started doing well. Um but I think this one's going to be a very entertaining game. I do think the Ravens are gonna pull out ahead on this one. Uh you saw how the Chargers were able to scheme against Uh, Mahomes and kind of keep him in check if you can keep him in the pocket he's still going to make some throws but you lock down one or two of the the guys out on the ends um, you can make it a little bit more competitive and I think the Ravens defense is just that much better than the Chiefs at least at this point in the season if this game happened week 10 week 12 I think it would be a coin flip it's still probably going to be somewhat of a coin flip and I'm okay if I'm wrong with this one I just think the Ravens got a little bit more depth on the defensive side. I think Lamar Jackson at this point is is got a little bit more in there to, to will teams downfield. Not that Mahomes doesn't. I just trust the speed and uh, the running mechanics of Lamar a little better. Um, and it's just, I really have no science to this one. I actually think it's just gut instinct. I'm going Ravens oh man i mean this is the afc championship game we wanted
0: to see last year and we didn't get it so i think we're going to get a good glimpse at it i don't think it's going to be the 50 burger you know boat race to 100 plus over under that uh, we got from the rams chiefs a couple years ago but i think it could be close i I would not be surprised if this game goes you know 35 30 or 42 38 something like that it'd be it'd be nuts so good slate of games coming out this week and now we get to our favorite part of the show what's in my cup Uh, all right, our favorite part of the podcast, what's in my cup? We're craft beer lovers. You're probably craft beer lovers too, or you just don't know it yet. So we're going to tell you what uh, we have in our cups this week and what we're drinking. Tim, what do you got?
1: I have a little ditty uh, by the name of Disco Blast Off. Uh, technically, it's the double dry hopped Disco Blast Off, but it's a double dry hopped IPA from Sloop Brewing. Uh It's one of those that's brewed in conjunction with two locations, so you never quite know on the can, at least from what I can tell, which location it's brewed on, but just canned within the last week. Um, Hopewell Junction, New York, or Hampton, New Hampshire. I'm guessing because I'm in Connecticut, probably Hopewell. Choose your own adventure, craft beer-wise. This one's brewed with milk sugar, malted oats, and flaked oats, so... Uh haven't tried it yet. Let's see what happens. It's a little carbonated can. Sounds like a seltzer water. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice return to to the double dry hop scene. It's a little bit more on the mild side. Very soft because it has the milk sugar in there, which also makes it a little bit on the sweeter side. Um, it's really, really good had some betters better ones on the pod i'm gonna give this one oh here it comes 4.4.10 i was gonna say can i do like a a a 3.8 or are we trying to do yeah of uh, course you can yeah all yeah. right well I, we make up the rules i'll give it a a 3.8 oh all right all right i thought we we're gonna get a third episode in a row where you give a, a beer a 4.10 or 4.11 or a 4.09 no, I, something I would, like I would that drink, i would drink this one again It helps that it's available on the shelf locally, which is nice. I'm a big fan. I don't like to chase beers quite as much anymore because the availability of really good beers on your local shelves now, which is clutch. And this is one of those sloop never does me wrong. Uh, Big fan of this one. I would buy this anytime I saw it on the shelf, but comparative to some of the other ones have, it's getting a 3.8. All right. Awesome. Good stuff. I got a double IPA this week called Palm.
0: Shade by Civil Society Brewing out of Jupiter, Florida. Civil Society, you know, one of those IPA and sour breweries. Uh, If you haven't heard of them outside of Florida, you should definitely check them out. They are very, very good typically. uh, Just beginning to get a lot of those beers here now in Virginia, so I'm kind of happy about that. I don't have to go to Florida. Although, I mean, (laughs) funny story, 2020 seems like it's been going on forever, but my wife and I went to Miami shortly after New Year's and I went to a club, saw Rick Ross, you know, was on the on the South Beach, you know, and the hotel, did all that. Got some good beer too, went to Jay Wakefield, but uh, man, I would go back to Florida right now. No, Maybe not (laughs) all Florida because it's like still, you know, popping off of COVID, but let's see what this tastes like.
1: One of the interesting things for me about Florida is their IPAs tend to be standard, like serviceable, but their stouts are unreal. The stealth oh, down there are the best stouts ever.
0: Here but we the go. IPAs it's the Angry Chair Stand Podcast, not the Sass Podcast. It's the Angry Chair Podcast. Here it this comes. This is
1: true. You knew that was coming. But no, it's, I can't it, figure yeah. out why an area like that isn't pumping out like some of the best pilsners, like day drinkers as anywhere else in the uh the country or why they're IPAs. I've heard Green Bench... is it Green Bench? I think it might be called Green Bench, but that one's uh putting out some decent stuff, but I'm yet to have an IP like Hila used to be their big one. Um, never was oh, a huge from fan. Cigar City, yeah, yeah. Never was a huge fan. But what are your thoughts, sir, on your? Florida I'm going to give IPA? it. I'm going to give it a
0: uh, 3.99, which in the untapped world goes up to 4.0. So that that's what I'll do. I'll give it a four. That good? Yeah. I mean, I give all my beers a 3.75 rating unless they're great or they're terrible. So, all right, I'll let I'll let you do the reading between
1: the lines on that one. That's cheating, I feel like. I'm not going for I'm not going for brewery lip service here. Unless you're Black Hog Brewing or Treehouse or Angry Chair or <laughs> anyone who wants to say no. Uh, <laughs> no, that's that's yeah. good to know. All right.
0: Well uh while we are old enough to uh drink beers legally, Stats and Matter Podcast is not, but we are quickly coming up on it. Um by the time you hear this on Thursday, we'll probably have another podcast coming right up behind it. That'll be episode twenty. And then next week it'll be, we'll be recapping week three of the NFL. That'll be episode twenty-one. The podcast will be finally legal. You can vote, you can buy cigars, lottery tickets.
1: Quick shout out to last week. You guys seem to really enjoy the two releases. We had the most listeners uh in a four-day span than we've had since we launched this thing. And not by any small numbers. We literally had Twice the amount of unique folks listening. That's all thanks to you guys listening, sharing, telling people you like to listen to it, uh, telling people how bad we are, but still to listen to us. And a couple new listeners, maybe wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, shout out to you guys too. We'll take the numbers anyway we can get them. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we would appreciate it if those who have not, you know, maybe shared it to one or two of their friends who may also like sports. But this thing's grown organically. We're big fans of it um we don't market we don't profit we don't get anything on this this is legitimately a labor of love for us so we thank you guys for listening we thank you guys for being a part of this it really really means a lot to the both of us so from the bottom of my heart thank you guys
0: i, mean, I don't have a heart because uh cold-blooded see what i did there <laughs> oh <laughs> and we out <laughs> talk to you guys next
1: episode Son of a bitch.